0: You're listening to episode number five of the Mind Body Academy podcast with Sarah Rose. This isn't an NBA. This is the NBA. This is the place for you to get coached and make health and happiness the business of how you get ahead in life. Get coached. coached. This is the startup of you. Get coached. And now, your coach, Sarah Rose. Hello, hi, how are you? <laughs> are you gushing with goodness today? I know I am because it's a good day to have a good day. And gosh, there's just so much going on that I've had to <laughs> clear the etch-a-sketch in my mind so I could focus on exactly what I want to teach you before making the segue into announcing, drum roll please, the free weight loss course that I'll be launching at the start of the new year. I am so excited to tell you all about it, but deep breath. I'm going to keep it together even if my eyebrow's doing this excited, twitchy thing, and I'm gonna give you the lowdown on how today's episode is gonna go. What I'm gonna teach you is gonna add some spice, some picante, into your cooking life. Today, I'm gonna to teach you my exact meal prep methodology that I teach my clients. It's called the KISS method, and you're gonna to wanna to call me the love doctor <laughs> because it's gonna make you fall in love with meal prep in a whole new, fun-loving way. So in case you've been like, oh no, it's not for me. Or maybe meal prep has felt like the one that keeps getting away from you because you never have time for it. or Maybe you don't like it cold and frosty. Well, let me introduce you to the Prince Charming of the lean cuisine, the one, the only, KISS Method Meal Prep. Now, KISS is actually an acronym that I picked up in a marketing book that stands for Keep It Simple Stupid <laughs> or Keep It Stupid Simple and it turns out it was actually a design principle popularized by the US Navy in the 60s. I tend to teach it as keep it simple and short. Simplicity, ease, and efficiency are all ingredients of an optimized life, and it's no exception when it comes to meal prep. The problem for so many of my clients when they first come to me is that because their experience of trying to lose weight has often been so hard for them, they also think the solution has to be complicated. They're making it complicated instead of keeping it simple. So anytime someone comes to me wanting to create a new result for themselves, I like to reverse engineer the result and look for efficiencies to streamline the process of getting there. A lot of what holds people back in the kitchen is the feeling that they don't have time to cook and that cooking slash figuring out what to eat is complicated. And I hear you. (laughs) I too have pulled out a recipe from a cookbook only to arrive at the grocery store and discovered that it requires about 12 exotic spices that it could probably only find at three separate specialty food stores for the cost equivalent of a Michelin star meal. (laughs) I, too, have used recipes that told me the total cook time, including prep, would be 15 to 30 minutes, only to be salting the recipe with my tears about an hour and a half later because it was still not nearly ready. Betrayal. Frustration. A soup of tears. It's basically a plot twist in a telenovela. (laughs) Enough to keep anyone watching more cooking shows than they spend time in the kitchen. So, how do we rekindle our romance with food? It requires establishing a relationship to food through meal prep in a way that allows the meal prep to take care of you and to keep you out of trouble. In a way that allows you to fulfill both your need for sameness, but also your need for variety. In a way that allows you to eat so as to be matching your needs and your wants without compromising your needs for your wants. What I do with my clients is we establish a food list. I'll be including one as a PDF in the show notes so you can grab that and download it off my website. We work off that same list because it's pretty comprehensive, although sometimes we do find ourselves adding things in. And we scan through it to compile a list of ingredients that are easy to work with and that the client knows that they enjoy. So then we take all of that and create a separate list with the choices that they've made among that list. Some people put it on their fridge, but you don't have to. For a lot of people, the simple exercise of affirming their preferences to themselves creates fresh awareness that helps guide their food choices. So many times we find ourselves wondering, what could I eat that's healthy? I know I used to stand there holding the door of the fridge wide open, almost frothing at the mouth, wondering exactly that. Your brain filters what you see and what you pay attention to based on your beliefs and what's top of mind. So you want to feed it the search parameters rather than let it decide at random. Establishing your preferences constrains choice, which is an extremely useful and powerful thing to do. And here's why. Have you ever had to make a big decision or so many cumulative decisions throughout the day that you couldn't bring yourself to make any more decisions that day? Or do you find yourself delegating A lot of your decisions to other people saying you decide or it's up to you. Many of us think we're just being accommodating, but quite often it's a firsthand experience of decision fatigue. It's something we all come to experience. What's so interesting is that when asked whether making decisions would deplete their willpower and make them vulnerable to temptation, most people say no. What most of us don't realize is that the quality of our decision making depreciates the more decisions we have to make, Especially when we're hungry, we don't realize how decision fatigue explains how even the most sensible among us can have an emotional outburst in front of other people, binge eat after a stressful day at work, or fill their shopping carts with food that's literal junk. Peter Drucker, who is a well-known management consultant and who also authored Managing Oneself, which is a book I recommend, states, In a few hundred years, the history of our time will be written from a long-term perspective, It's likely that the most important event historians will see is not technology, not the internet, not e-commerce. It is an unprecedented change in the human condition. For the first time, substantial and rapidly growing numbers of people have choices. For the first time, they will have to manage themselves. More choice creates the illusion of greater freedom. That's what's being said by Drucker here which is why many people are skeptical about food prep. But more choice creates more conditions for randomness, and randomness makes it harder to manage ourselves. All you have to do is walk the aisles of a grocery store. It's no happy accident that they strategically place the candy bars by the cash. By the time you get there, having worked your way through, quite often, a mental list of what you needed, which might have started out as just one thing, but then had you wondering about those 20 other things that you maybe possibly but not necessarily needed, (laughs) you've had to make so many little decisions that you're likely to have lost your discernment between what's important and what's not, making it more likely that the candy bar all but hop off the shelf and check itself out through checkout (laughs) among all your other groceries. And because we're often trying to keep mental tabs, maybe most of your groceries you would stamp as quote unquote healthy. But quite often, what happens is you're discounting the choices you're making when decision fatigue sets in because they're beneath the threshold of your full awareness. Before we make any sort of changes, I always have my clients record at least a full week of eating. And I can't tell you how many of them are shocked because they thought that they ate healthier. Or they try to write it off as an off week, not realizing that that's really their pattern of eating when you look at it objectively. For so many of us, we've become so overwhelmed by the amount of choice that we have that we've lost our ability to manage it. We try to protect the amount of choice we have unaware of the cognitive drain this is having on us. It seems more secure to have more choices. So a lot of us linger in these kind of half choices or indecision But the underlying message we're telling ourselves when we live our lives this way is that in some way we're out of control and that we're not in control of our results. Making decisions ahead of time reduces situational wear and tear on your mind. It allows you to feel in control and it leaves you with more decision power juice because you're not depleting your reservoir of willpower. So you have a greater reserve for decisions that are more important than what you're going to eat next. That's why the 24-hour meal plan that I talk about in episode 4 combined with the KISS method meal prep is something that's going to make you such a powerhouse in your kitchen but also in your life. And actually, let me just point out that so many of us have absolutely no sense of just how much time we waste because we're wondering what we'll eat next. Most people spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about food. We don't realize how much this distracts us and slows us down. There's something inside those noggins of ours that makes us resist any form of planning. Planning and meal prep seem like they require a significant investment of time, but planning and meal prep are how we make more time. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that gets cleared up with my clients really quickly. The more you plan, the more you'll feel in control of your time, of your food choices, and of your weight loss. The more you plan for your results, the more you're able to create results for yourself. Makes sense? Maybe not intuitively, right? But definitely does upon reflection. When we resist making decisions ahead of time, when we resist any and all forms of preparedness, we become much more susceptible to persuasion and outside influences on our decisions. Oh yes, all of us underestimate how often and how much this happens, No one is standing there going, outside forces are acting upon me. (laughs) Yet, if you're not making firm decisions, there's a decision being made there by not being firm. And that decision is to let other people have a bigger say in what you want and what's in your best interest. This happens all the time with food. And it's often pernicious or kind of sneaky in that it takes the form of people-pleasing. So there's a kind of stimulus overload that happens with trying to figure out what to eat in the moment, and then there's an opinion overload that happens when we're trying to figure out how to be eating. All of a sudden, you're ushered over to the dessert table at a holiday party by a friend or a coworker or Aunt Jemima herself for all I know, and they're floored, absolutely floored, that you don't want any. So they prod into you. Who are you? And what have you done with so-and-so that I know? What do you mean you won't have any of the chocolate-drenched fudge cake that I made? What's wrong with you? Come on. You only live this once. It's a special occasion, after all. Haven't you been telling me that you're so good recently? And just like that, not because you were hungry, not because it's what you powerfully decided, you ate not one, not two, but three slices of the fudge cake and some of the other stuff, too. And you're walking out the door with some Tupperware for later as well. (laughs) I joke and embellish, but this stuff actually happens. It's not the cultural norm to walk over to someone at the dessert table, tap them on the shoulder, and with concern gently pull them aside and ask, why are you eating so much? Is everything okay? It's the cultural norm to overeat. There's always a way to rationalize it. And if it's not your family or your office plowing you with food, you best believe there are people whose jobs are to make you eat more than you need or intended. From food scientists to marketers to store owners, expanding waistlines means growing bottom lines. You best believe it. So whose opinion are you letting count more than your own? When we forget our ability to choose, we learn to be helpless. There's a remembering that takes place as we practice making and affirming our decisions through planning and meal prep. We plan and meal prep, not so that we have to say no to fudge cake all the time, but so that when we do say yes, that's because that's what we're choosing, decisively and deliberately, and because that's a decision that we can feel good about having decided it. We plan and prep so that the fudge cake doesn't have a little bit of self-loathing mixed in, or an aftertaste of guilt. When we approach it this way, we get to eat with our highest well-being in mind, and sometimes, that will look like putting on the parental controls for that toddler brain of ours that wants immediate gratification and probably nothing more than to eat straight out of the cake. (laughs) It will look like restriction from a place of love. And other times, it will look like eating for the pure enjoyment of eating. Maybe not chomping straight into the cake, (laughs) but also from a place of love. Decisions made ahead of time allow us to approach eating from a place of love. There are five questions that I have my clients ask themselves when deciding what they'll be eating. Number one, will it taste good? Number two, will it feel good in your body? Number three, is it healthy by your standards? Number four, will it move you in the direction of the result you want? And lastly, number five, is it realistic? This last question is especially important because that's where the trust is built with yourself, that you'll do what you say, or better said, what you decided, above what you might feel like doing in the moment. Let me just say that the goal isn't always to answer yes to all those questions, but it opens the door to some powerful coaching when you answer no, because it gives you the opportunity to discover your reasons, and you wanna make sure you like your reasons. Most of us aren't aware of our process for making decisions, So that's where the coaching comes in. So from there, having established a food list and evaluated your food choices, it's gonna be so much easier to choose what you wanna eat. You can combine ingredients from your food list and make a dish or a stir fry. One of my favorite things to do is make these colorful mason jars that are just a layering of ingredients. It might have a layer of brown rice, some green pepper, lettuce, corn, top that with some ground turkey and green onion, and maybe drizzle that with some balsamic vinaigrette. Mm -mm -mm. But you can put soups and chilies and all kinds of good stuff in there, and I just find it an easy grab-and-go option that makes it feel a little more fresh than a Tupperware. Another thing I'll do is prep some of my ingredients and just store them in separate containers in the fridge because some don't keep as long as the others, and it allows me to make a hot meal on the fly without defrosting or reheating. If you're new to meal prep, remember that your motto is keep it simple and short. By this, you need to understand that the more decisions you create for yourself, the more brain lag you'll experience and the slower you'll move yourself towards your goals. So you want to be reducing the amount of decisions that you have to be making, especially the amount of decisions you have to be making in the moment. The moment you feel the slightest bit of confusion about what to eat and it feels like a lot of back and forth decision making, I want you to take out your food list. Treat this like your contractual agreement with yourself. It's what you said yes to, right? And I want you to select two vegetables, a grain, and a protein. And boom, that's going to be your meal. That's your easy button to default to. One way I keep my meal prep simple and short is that I'll cycle the same few recipes over and over for a period of time and change them up maybe bi-weekly or monthly. I got that idea from The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. I choose things I know I like to eat so I can set it and forget it. It gives me one less thing to think about, one less thing to make decisions about, and then I'm able to notice how my body reacts to certain foods. So I might cut something out for two weeks, which is what I did with dairy, and I felt noticeably better, so I didn't bother reintroducing it. So it's a clever way of guiding your food choices and find out what works for you and what doesn't. I'm also able to up my cooking game because I'm repeating those same recipes. And trust me, there's a deep satisfaction that sets in from nailing the flavor profile in the cook on even the least technical dishes. I'm actually thinking of starting a hashtag meal prep thread in the MBA tribe on Facebook so that it's really easy to find recipe ideas among other tribe members. Just let me know if that would be something that would be helpful to you, and I'll get that up and going. Here's the thing. The KISS method meal prep doesn't give you an exact formula to follow. There's some initial figuring out. It's not prescriptive. What it does give you, however, is a process for you to find out which foods will work for you. Me telling you what to eat would be like you asking what kind of guy is my type to figure out what your type should be. We don't necessarily have the same tastes, and what works for me might not work for you. Yet, we do this all the time. We look up our favorite athletes and icons and influencers, and we'll watch them explain their meal prep and what they eat with the expectation that their way of eating will create the same results for us. Those videos can be an incredible source of inspiration and education, but it won't give you an exact formula for eating because it's not adapted to you. That's why you need a process. A process allows you to find that adaptability. If you don't have some agency in deciding what you'll eat, you'll have a hard time sticking with it because you'll have to rely on willpower, which is something we have in limited reserves. With every decision, we tap into that bank of willpower that we have, and that's when that decision fatigue sets in. When you practice deciding, you get to feel confident and decisive and empowered. When it all gets decided for you, you get to feel doubtful. The moment you feel challenged or the results are slow to show, the emotion you're choosing to fuel your eating from is just as important as the food you're fueling yourself with. When you meal prep, you get to focus on how am I going to make this work instead of this didn't work. That's a huge mindset shift and it's often subtle, but it's what keeps my clients going with their weight loss. It clears so much of that mind drama right up that otherwise spins us out in overwhelm and confusion. But hear me, some of you are going to give up too quickly. You went into the kitchen once to meal prep and it was awkward or it was only kind of sort of nice, like dating, <laughs> but you found yourself fantasizing about the exotic 13-spice piece of meat up the street at the restaurant and you said, screw it. Meal prep Doesn't have to mean all the other offers are off the table, but ultimately you want to make sure mom and dad are proud of what you bring to the table, right? (laughs) You want to know your way around the kitchen, so you need to meal prep at least a few times before you can expect to get a real feel for it. Cooking is a skill, and like any skill, it requires practice and repetition. You can keep it basic, simple recipes, simple ingredients, simple tastes. There's a reason why classic dishes are so popular, yet we can learn to elevate them over time. And sure, it's a labor of love in the beginning. takes some patience, but eventually it becomes intuitive, explorative, and it creates more time than it consumes. If you're using the mindful meal plan, you're planning what you'll eat 24 hours in advance. So you can schedule in times when you'll be dining out and other times when you'll be planning to eat what you prepped. Meal prep just offers another opportunity to become mindful about what you're putting into your body. Often, with weight loss, the tendency is to be focused on what we take out of our diet, but often what we add in is just as important as what we take out. In German, there is a saying, Vinegar aber besser. It translates to less but better. I think people misunderstand that more choice equals better, but more choice often means less active decision making, less action follow through, less results. The KISS method makes less feel like more. Saying no to what you didn't prep or plan only feels like a loss if you're not focused on what you're saying yes to when you say no. A better relationship with your body, a better relationship with yourself, weight loss, health, vitality, intimacy. If you're not focused on what you're choosing, you're not focused on what really matters how could you be? The way we know you aren't is because you don't feel good about not being where you want to be. So make sure you're choosing what you're choosing and that you like your reasons. Therein lies our greatest power and freedom. The good news, if you're struggling to figure it out on your own, I can 100% help. I know that People's number one fear when they start a program like mine is that they'll put down the money and put in the work and it will be too hard or it won't work or it won't last. Deep down, I know that's the fear. I want to show you that it can be easy and that it will work sustainably. That's why I've taken my whole client onboarding process and turned it into a course. It's what I use to get my clients going with some real results right away. And I'm giving it to you for free right in time for the new year. Losing weight is one of the most popular New Year's resolutions. Yet, even people who are tremendously accomplished and typically display high levels of self-control can have a really hard time controlling their weight. They've dubbed this the Oprah paradox. It leaves most people wondering year after year, just like Oprah, who confessed, I can't believe that after all these years, all the things I know how to do, I'm still talking about my weight. And look at my thinner self and think, how did I let this happen again? I know what it's like to feel like you've tried it all. The diets, the fads, the sexy trainer named Chad at the gym, (laughs) the woo-woo, and frankly, being just about ready to cut off a limb. And that's why this course is like nothing you've ever tried before. It's simple. It won't require a ton of time, energy, or effort. I'm going to teach you four weight loss tools that will allow you to ditch the diet rules so you can finally start winning at losing big. It's time size stopped ruling your world, and you started to believe that you can rock your own world. The most amazing gift you have to give yourself in the world is to grow into the fullest version of yourself. Not because slimmer is better, but because you'll miss all you have to gain when you can't see past what you want to lose. 2020 is the year you become U2.0. That's the happiest, healthiest version of you. I have a feeling that this could be your year. So join the MBA tribe over on Facebook or subscribe to my email list to be notified when the next episode drops and the course is released next week. I can't wait for you to blow your own damn mind. Thanks for being an awesome listener of the Mind Body Academy podcast. If you're ready to redefine success, to include health and happiness, and live into a body, U capital L-O-V-E, then you need to join me in Think Yourself Slim. It's my one-on-one coaching program where you'll get the coaching you need to become a weight loss success story. Step into the vision that you have for your life over at mindbody.academy. Let's start a transformation today.